This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 258, recorded on April 28th, 2016. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way news reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios. Here in a, well, not such a great Bellevue, Nebraska, we have a we have a weather report we can do now. So, Echo, wh- Echo, what's the forecast? In Bellevue, it's 50 degrees with cloudy skies. Tonight, you can look for dreary weather with a low of 41 degrees. So, so the Echo is telling us, not Mike, not so beautiful. No, not the, we had like a tornado go through just yesterday, like 10 blocks from my apartment. It was crazy. It's crazy. Spring yeah. here in Nebraska. Of course, we post the show with world-class show notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv. You can also join us for the on our new mobile app if you haven't checked that out. It's hardly new, but give it a shot. It might be new to you. You can head out. The best way to do it is head out to our page, homegadgetgeeks.com. Big buttons, right? You can't miss it on mobile. Android, iOS, either one are available for you. It's free. Download it easiest way to stream these. If we're live, they're there. If we're not live, they're there. It's just the way it works. And so you can't download it, streaming only, but uh, it is a way to catch a show when we go live. Again, homegadgetgeeks.com. Many of you have downloaded I'm We have over 100 now that have downloaded that app. Thanks, Spreaker, for they, they made it for us. And, of course, LastPass sponsored it. And uh, so we thank both of them for doing that as well and a great way to catch the show. And if you're not doing it that way, you can just download it on either the the, uh, the podcast app on iTunes or you can find your podcatcher of choice on Android. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is the Party Geeks Network. Find this link to this show and many other great podcasts, although minus one now at this point, out at thegeeksnetwork.com. I said minus one. Mike, are you going to recant on, on open mic night? Is it coming back? That's what no. I heard. That was a rumor I heard. Really? Is that heard that Tim Cook called. Well, yeah. he did. He called and he was saying, you know, we really miss our number one Apple podcast. Why well, I, mean, well, I just shut it down? So I said, you know, Tim, you know, you know we're buddies and I just, I, I don't have time anymore. Sorry, man. And he was really sad and he offered me like stock options and some of that if I wanted to come back. But it was just, you know, got too busy. It's just, I, I can't. Apple, yeah, I me, me time. I, I said, Tim, I don't have time. Sorry, I man. Don't have time so. too. Just, just, so just a reminder, if you were a Open mic night listener. He's put that on hold. I'm thinking it's going to come back. It's not. It's not completely dead. We'll see how it goes. It's, yeah, it's kind of like Khan in Star Trek. Not you know banished, but not forgotten. It will come back, and uh, he will, in, in two movies actually he will come back, and in a totally separate timeline. So it, it's uh, we'll we'll bring that back. And uh, Mike, good to have you. No, here we'll bring your Apple news in here, right? When you have news to bring with Apple, you'll bring it here, right? That's kind of the intent. Yes, that's that's the goal. We will. Awesome, awesome. And what about uh, Suit and Scrubs? Suit and Scrubs is back. Yeah, okay. oh, coming back. I mean, we're putting out an episode soon. We we have actually a few in the can. We're just kind of waiting to see when we want to release them, so we don't space them out again every five months. So sweet. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Well, good to have it back. Well, speaking of being back. And I think John Nye has joined us a couple times. This might be your third, maybe, John, I think, on Home Gadget Geeks. You're muted, though, before we go too far. Yes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome back, John. Uh, some some changes uh, that I wasn't even aware of. Uh, we, maybe we should stay in contact more, but yeah. you've uh, you've moved somewhere else in the country. Can you talk a little bit about that for those sure. folks who you know, yep. here in Omaha? Uh, late June of last year, I moved out here to... Uh, Beautiful Colorado. Uh, it's been a, a great move, great choice. 
definitely don't regret it. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a little more expensive, but it's a beautiful place to live. The air's clear, and there's a lot of yeah, right there on the Front Range. Yeah, beautiful. We were talking about here. that in the pre-show. There's so much stuff to do. Oh. I would listen. I'd get fired. I'm just gonna say. If I had a job in Denver, I mean, the, the thing that keeps me working in Omaha, there's really nothing to do here, mm -hmm. you know? But but in, in Colorado, crap, I'd be out mountain biking. Mm -hmm. I would be out run. Well, not really running. I'd be out walking. I'd be out skiing. I would be mm – -hmm. the snow has been really good this year. And you guys yes. have – I mean, they've got tons of snow in the mountains. Oh, yeah. And so I think they're still skiing in, uh, yes. in a lot of the resorts. So, shoot, I'd be. But, uh, <laughs> but welcome back. We, I think, last time we left you, uh, you were doing pen testing and some other things. Still, still doing that. What kind of what's? Oh yeah. What What do you do in there in Denver? Sure, absolutely. So I actually moved out here at the time. I uh, last time I was on the show, and at the time I moved, uh, I was with First Data uh, still. Uh, but I resigned from there and moved over to a consulting firm called Synergistech. So that's uh, that's what I'm doing now, full-time pen testing consultant. So that's generally all I do all day long. If I'm not yeah. doing a pen test, I'm writing a report. So and there's a good. there's a lot to I mean, like that's a big deal, right? I mean, mm -hmm. organizations are trying to make sure that you people can't bust into yeah. their stuff, right? Is that that's the essence? For someone we say pen testing and we and we kind of blow by it. For for somebody who doesn't know, what's the essence of that? How does the, what's that entail in most days? Yep, uh, it's. It's exactly an adversary simulation is essentially what it is, or an adversarial simulation. Uh, a, a professional comes in with permission, which is really, really, really important <laughs> to have that permission because, you know, other, for example, well, anyways, you got to have that permission and, uh, and essentially you're hacking their network. So you are an ethical, or I am an ethical hacker. I spend my days uh, messing up networks and then pulling a Superman and saying, see you later, you know? <laughs> well, and when you say when you say ethical hacker, it means you you, you do it for good, right? The, the yeah. intent is if you're going to break into something, then you're going to let them know, all exactly. right, here's how I did it, here's how I got it done. And mm -hmm. and it's that's gotten to be such a big business. Now organizations are being proactive, right? They're paying mm -hmm. people to do this kind of to kind of do this work mm -hmm. and, and to and we're going to talk a little bit about that more later kind of on the average guy uh, standpoint but sure it's big business right I mean from that standpoint oh, yeah absolutely do you, so in, a, in your consulting role so you must work for and we won't name any but you must work for a bunch of different ones as well right absolutely different organizations uh, dozens of them and so essentially each week it's a different network or a different website or set of websites that I get to attack that's the best part of it, you know. Uh, when I was at First Data, which was a great company, it was always their network. It was always what they owned. So it was generally the same things every day or just everything within the same architecture. And here it's it's something new every day. It's a lot of fun. Last time we had you on, we spent some time talking VPN. And last week we had the guys from an Anana box. So if you're just catching this video and you haven't watched it yet and you're listening to this, you should go back and listen to the to the to the audio or the video of it. Not you, just you, John, but everyone else as well. And John, in today's as you stand today, right? It's a year ago we had you back on here and a lot has changed in a year. Mm -hmm. it, what's your advice? I mean, do you still for the average PC user, you know, I, I think at the time we we're like, hey, if you're in Starbucks or any public Wi-Fi, you better be going through some kind of VPN. Yes. Right? Um, so, any, any new advice you'd give us as you think about the threat levels changing for the consumer? Mm -hmm. Anything changed in a year? Anything new that that we should be concerned about? 
Uh, ransomware, of course, you know, as you hear in the news. But you know, two years ago, you heard ransomware in the news too. Uh, so it's it's cyclical. That's the problem, you know. So right now, that's what's important. But it's all the same things, you know. The same same people are attacking networks. The risks are generally the same. Uh, but absolutely, if you can use a VPN, use a VPN. There are so many choices that are so cheap, free, or even uh, was the new Opera browser. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit it's last a proxy. week. Exactly. Yeah, it's not it, really uh, a VPN. Right. It still, protects your, it still protects your data. I mean, yes, they, the people who are running the proxy, could be trap, uh, tracking you and monitoring your traffic, etc. But you're there. Somebody's doing that to you, anyways. Yeah. Well, my understanding though is just the 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 owners of that are Chinese, and yeah. so, you know, the, the the I think the question that needs to be asked is, do you really want? I mean, from an opera standpoint, mm -hmm. we with the Anonobox guys last week, you know, we talked about using this hardware device to connect to a VPN or a service VPN of some kind or connecting it back to your own VPN. Mm -hmm. This is not an average guy device, by the way. you got to kind of know what you're doing, Mike. Uh, wouldn't you agree? You, you use the tunneler. Maybe not average guy. Not hard, but maybe not average guy, right? Well, yeah, especially if you want to set up your own custom setup or use a VPN that is not HMA. HMA is built in, click, turn it on, done. Anything else, custom setup, extreme, yeah, pretty difficult, actually. Yeah. John, what are the other options when we think about if I don't want a box for exactly. the average guy, if they want to do a VPN, what's the easiest solution that you know? Uh, I actually just recently bought the lifetime membership to Pro XPN. I've been using that one for years, buying their yearly membership. I just recently found a deal, I threw it in the show notes, where they're... Uh, I'm pointing at my other monitor as though you guys can see it. Right <laughs> That's now. funny. You're good, man. You're good. But yes. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, Pro XP and it's great. The sale is thirty-nine dollars for a whole lifetime subscription. Theirs is great because it it's an app you can install on a Mac, a Windows, or uh, Android, and even iOS. So all your devices can go through this encryption. You can make it automatic. So when your computer turns on, it automatically logs in. But what I love about it from my standpoint, is you can choose your egress or your exit point, your exit node. Uh, so you get to choose, uh, today I want to look like I'm coming from Chicago, and tomorrow I'm coming from Amsterdam. And you know, So you get to choose your exit nodes, and they're all over the world. Uh, and when you have that pro version, you can use it for free, and you go through Dallas. So, And personally, I don't want anyone to think I'm in Dallas or ever intend to be there unless <laughs> I have to be. So I don't want anyone thinking that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is there from is there a I mean when we think about the exit point for the average guy does that really matter like if no. we're not hiding something and we're just trying to encrypt the traffic so it doesn't get ripped off when we're at Starbucks right from that standpoint does exactly. it really matter No it does not matter at all whatsoever Nope uh, the only reason I I like it is because of my job so if I'm testing a website often uh, some one attack might very well pop an alarm and they will block my IP so I can quickly change my IP by changing my exit point. Mm -hmm. And it looks like I'm in a completely different spot too. So hopefully they're, oh, it's a different person. We'll see what they're doing, you know. So. And certain services will block you depending on your location. So if you're trying to watch a certain game or watch Netflix or something like that, if you accidentally were coming out of a different country or somewhere where it's blacked out for, let's say, mm -hmm. a sports game, you might run into an issue there and you might be able to switch it to a different city or something mm -hmm. like that to get it to work a little bit better. So that's a little gray, right? I mean, right, yeah. Mike? I mean, they're blocking it for a reason. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You're, go, you're using a VPN to go around it. On on Pro XV, uh, Pro XPN, is there are there are there bandwidth uh, bandwidth limits? Right. Because we're still pushing this data through their servers. Exactly. Right? No, they work? allow you to do a UDP tunnel, so that's faster because uh, that protocol runs faster than TCP. It's what any video runs through. It's just a less uh, less overhead. Uh, so you can run it through that, and they have very high bandwidth. I've used it to watch Netflix and have no issues. And you can do that now. One thing to keep in mind is that most companies who give streaming media out like Netflix have in specifically blocked a lot of uh, you know, known VPN IPs. And these are not unknown. People yeah. know that these are... Yeah. They have. I was, uh, was that in our Facebook group? Someone was talking about that, mm-hmm. Netflix. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, did, I ran into the same situation with PIA, uh, private internet access. With that VPN, I, I was blocked. I couldn't watch any Netflix. Mm-hmm. No yeah, matter where I came out, no matter where my node was, I switched all oh, around. Really? So yeah. Yeah, I was doing I've it in Dallas, Chicago. It. As long as I'm in the U.S., it'll let me watch it. No, with I that tried Dallas, and that one didn't work. So maybe I need to try some other U.S. ones, but I think yeah. they were catching it every time. So really, from a video standpoint, the only reason you'd ever use a VPN is really to just mask your location so you could get content, right? Because in most cases, you don't need you don't need a VPN. You don't need to protect that stream when it's coming right. in, right? No. So just just for the average guy, that's kind of uh, the way it goes. Uh, by the way, just a reminder on on the Anonobox devices, they have asked us as a community if you buy it, they want you to hack on it. And so they want to know what you're doing and what's working and what's not and how is it integrating and they want to integrate. We, they're a 12-person company, and they're just super excited that our community would get involved. So if you bought one, let them know. Check in with them. Uh, go back. Uh, we have some information, contact information, or get, get in contact with me. But uh, they want to know what you're doing, so contact them. If you bought one of these last week, and a bunch of you did, I know you did, uh, check in with them and let them know. Uh, we're trying to talk John into getting one, too. I and, will. Uh, and hack, <laughs> on, hack on a little bit. Pretty cool. Hey, just a reminder, uh, before we before we dive in on this, Cyber Frontiers is back. And so if you were, Christian and I have taken pretty much the spring off. This is why, Mike, I'm hoping there's hope for you with uh, <laughs> open mic night. Christian and I just could not put uh, Cyber Frontiers together in the fall and spring, pretty much. I guess we made it through December, and then we've pretty much uh, stopped. We have committed to coming back May 9th. So if you're a Cyber Frontiers listeners, watch uh, TheAverageGuy.tv. And if you've let your subscription expire on Cyber Frontiers, go fire it back up. There's some stuff out there. You can do it. But we're excited about getting Christian back on the air and uh, will be available and live uh, on May 9th. John, let's talk about Raspberry Pi 3. You've got some some information on that. Let's talk about it. So I – hang on. I'm trying to switch – whoops. Hitting the wrong button. I'm trying to switch my input here. So I have the Raspberry actually hooked up to this TV – uh, if you can, you know, once it's Yeah, loads, we can see it, it so far once yep. it's in there. Yeah. Yep, so there we go, loaded up. So this is the Raspberry Pi 3. I'll, I'll uh, bring it up closer to the camera when we power it down. Here. But whoops, <laughs> right now it's powered up. Um, but anyhow, it's just in a little clear case. It's the exact same size as the 2. So any 2 case will work fine with the 3. Uh, so that's that's really good to know. They kept the form factor. They, the only things they added which I shouldn't say only, they're both pretty awesome, was a Bluetooth uh, radio and a Wi-Fi radio. Uh, both of those make everyone's job a million times easier. Setting these up, you don't have to worry about having an Ethernet port or you know all that. There's Take, so many taking up one of the USB ports to, mm-hmm. to throw in. A, we, that's what we did last summer is we took up a USB port and put a, you know, a dongle in there. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, and that's another thing you can do. It has four USB ports, and actually, after using a Mac for the last few weeks, I'm glad it has four. That's an awesome number. <laughs> now, using a PC, yes, then it's not enough, but comparatively. Yeah. What, what have you found from a... What are you using it for? I mean, what's the so, intent? What are, you, what are yeah. you hoping to get out of it? Yep, so for, for my job, often uh, when an attacker attacks a company, one of the big things they're going to do is they're going to get in there and be inside the network with infected machines and slowly gather data and try and steal stuff and, and you know generally the companies don't see this going on uh, I think the average is like seven months for an, a breach to be known and this is breaches with exfiltration that's pretty sad so that's something that that we'll do is we'll test that we'll do an adversary simulation which is kinda like a, a penetration test on steroids uh, and these become really handy because we can go on site and drop them in random places if somebody finds it and steals it, then we're out $35 and life goes on. Uh, that's huge. I'm running uh, Kali Linux on here. As you can see, you see the nice dragon there if it's not too bad of a glare. That's not too bad. Uh, no. And one thing that I thought was really interesting, it has a faster processor. It has a little more RAM. I still don't recommend trying to install full versions of various operating systems, like uh, mostly Linux, but you can. I actually did install all of the full Kali Linux meta package here. If this thing will click, there we go. So it actually has all of the tools, which is crazy. And I will not keep it this way because it takes a lot of space and a lot of these won't run well with the small processor. But it's a neat proof of concept because with the two, if you were to do the Kali Linux install full, which installs all the tools that come basically with it, it wouldn't run. I mean, it would basically just be jittery and it'd be horrible. So th that's really impressive. It has nice, uh, it's very responsive, even with everything installed. So. Yeah, cool. And have you have you thought about, you know, when there's a Windows 10 version available for Raspberry Pi. Have you messed with that at all? Really? Not yeah. yet. I've actually got a few more on the way, so I will have to. <laughs> yeah, and it's not an interface. It's not like Windows 10 like you think mm -hmm. it is. It runs the kernel basically and then you attach to it with something yep. uh, type deal but that they're trying to make that you know super efficient in a way that'll run on a Raspberry Pi so yep. and that's what's um, smart you don't actually need to be running a GUI interface at all you know right. in fact that won't be started if I'm using this in production there'd be no way that I'd be running a GUI it would be all S I just SSH in uh, which is a command line secure connection you can make between computers but it's a pure terminal prompt, you know, green letters on a black screen, like you saw in the movie Hackers. Exactly like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly Even like that. Even glows on your face, like the ones and zeros, they, like, project onto your face. <laughs> Pretty soon you thing. can read the Matrix. Mm -hmm. um, John, what do, you think the, what do you think the future of these kinds of devices are? I mean, as you look at this, I mean, they're kind of gadgety and gimmicky, and we've mm -hmm. done some things with them. I'm not sure they've really been accepted as in any kind of enterprise or on any large scale, they tend to be very driven towards hobbyists. And the, is that always going to be, is the bottom level of this always going to be hobbyist driven? Or in your case, very special UK use case, right? You're taking it in, you're planting it in an organization mm -hmm. to see if they find it, right? Is, yeah. 
is kind of uh, what's going on. Exactly, and they're easy to conceal because they're so small. Yeah, okay, man, they're getting super small. I mean, it's crazy. That that could actually make that smaller, but you can fit all the ports in mm -hmm. it if it's any smaller, right? Absolutely. That's that's one of the things. But do you ever see that really taken on mainstream? Like, like, like there'll be products that come out on the Raspberry Pi that would... I wouldn't be surprised to see them that come out based on the architecture. But usually, you know, a lot of tools, even the, you know, like the Wi-Fi Pineapple, for example, it's a little computer. It's essentially the same thing as Raspberry Pi on the inside. Uh, it just has different ports. And so usually what they'll... If somebody makes a mini computer like the Pi or wants to make a device, like maybe a home automation device or something they used uh, this but it was concealed it, it'd be in a different case it might not look like a Raspberry Pi and they might even get a special version made for them that's a certain shape size certain ports you know but absolutely I think it has a huge potential to come into the mainstream and people to get to use it has the has the drone community are they using Pi like hardware or you know, you've you you had a quadcopter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's sitting back there. <laughs> going on there, uh, they're getting bigger and they're getting smaller. Mm -hmm. Holy cow! We've been at work, uh, Gallup. We've had some folks that have brought them in. They are literally this big. Yep. And they, you know, they got this little uh, like mosquito-like sound when they fly around, yeah. which is a little annoying. But yeah. they have races. You know, they have races with them, and they crash them into each other, and the the blades come off, and they just snap them back on. And, yep. You know, good little battle bots kind of thing, but which is really fun. cool. By the way, they're like twenty bucks. Yeah, they're super cheap. I got one for Christmas. Yeah, if you're gonna learn on a on a on a quadcopter, that's the way to go. Do you um? But it's it's kind of that architecture making its way into some of these quadcopters and some of these drones because it's so small and and so extendable. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, people are starting to use them for you know even neural networking type stuff. You know, like machine learning to make them. You know, it could run, you know, Python scripts and things like that. So they're getting use, but it's a lot of real, you know, uber geek hobbyists, yeah. you know, that are generally doing that at this point. It's not a super simple integration. Uh, it does come with the GPIO headers, though, which, and I can unplug the, we can just let it power down. Oh, I would never do that with a regular computer. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, it has these GPIO headers, which are these little... Uh, pin sticking up here, and this is what gives you the ability to use this for virtually anything. Mm. Uh, for example, for my case, if one of these gets put into an office building, you might plug it into a port and either a battery powering it hooked to the bottom or plugged into a US or a power supply, uh, which is a micro USB. So that's that's the frustrating part is getting it powered. Uh, but I can then have a, have it scripted that there's a little button on it that's hooked up to these GPIO headers and when it gets pushed by the tech that dropped it off for me or whatever it will automatically call back to my cloud VPN concentrator I have in Dropbox or not Dropbox what is it? O Digital Ocean mm -hmm. uh, which is real great so I have it sitting up there and it will actually call back to it then I can log into that machine and now I'm, you know, I'm in that network but it's 100% secure because it's using certificates VPN connections, reverse VPN connections with an SSH, all certificate based to keep it, you know, highly secured. Uh, and then it's it's crazy how easy it is to get inside of a network if somebody's willing to go in there and plug something in. Right. <laughs> you know. Weger, I gave you your pie back, right? You still yeah. have that? Yeah, I'm actually whipping it right back out because I realized I need my cups print server. 
And that's that's what I ran it on. Like I went to a print one time, and I was like, I can't do it. And air print, being able to air print onto my super old laser jet is awesome mm-hmm. from the iPhone. So uh, just that little box, I'm going to put it back in the cupboard and, and get it up and going. I kind of forgot yeah, until we started boy. talking. I'm like, oh, that's why I haven't been able to print. <laughs> <laughs> and they're great for that. You can make it a little VPN server. That's what um, I, yeah, I had it that doing before I had the, uh, before I had it running on QNAP, I had it on there. They were actually on um, the Security Now podcast talking about an, a little app. It's actually a, a program you can download. It's a Python script and Bash script that will completely set up a Raspberry Pi as a VPN, an open VPN. Oh, wow. yeah. And it's basically, it's all GUI-fied, so it's super simple, click buttons. It's, that sounds way easier than when I set it up the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I set up that VPN concentrator. It's got to accept reverse connections and listen on certain ports, and yep. oh, my God, that was like two days worth of work. Yeah. And it still didn't work 100% of the time. <laughs> so... Recluse says in chat his Pi hardware is rock solid. Got uh, Gens one and two both, and still running like day one. There's not much to them. That's the thing, right? I mean, they just—it's hard to overpower them. And uh, in you know the 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 technology is just there. I mean, they just work. I have mm-hmm. rarely have I heard anybody going, "Oh yeah, I got a bad Pi." Yeah, you know? they work. Yeah. Yeah. No, very cool. Well, it's interesting. I, I actually saw a I, I heard about or saw or different where it's a it's a system, you know, system on a chip basically like the Pi, and they're like fifteen bucks. Yes. So there's even more I mean, it's crazy how cheap um, you know, these devices are getting, and you can just put them anywhere. We see what what's really great is we see a lot of these migrating in their way into home automation. And this is I think what is making home automation affordable and works working well today is that we can get these boards in there pretty cheap and they're pretty powerful, right? Yep. You know? Absolutely. So you, and there is that that's the Pi Zero. Yeah, I pulled it out so everyone can see it a little closer. I've actually put these which are uh, heat or not those, I'm sorry, these guys here. So those are actually they come with the kit if you buy it from Canakit. It, it just helps dissipate the heat. It's not required. But if you're gonna ever push it, push its power in any way, it doesn't hurt to have yeah. it on there. Yeah, so it's actually it was two podcasts ago when we were talking about how cheap it's this Pine 64. It was Peter who brought it up two weeks ago when mm-hmm. I had him on uh, PTD and chat. He um, this Pine 64 and these things are super cheap, and so yeah. it's just it's just incredible where we're headed with it. I I'm, I've gone on record a couple years ago saying I needed a Raspberry Pi like I needed a hole in my head because I just <laughs> didn't need another thing to do. Uh, I think Mark had um, uh, had put in the uh, the chat room on Facebook this week. Uh, let me head over there real quick. If you go to out to uh, Facebook.com or go to theaverageguy.tv slash Facebook, we'll get you there. So if you haven't joined us over there, he um, it looks like Intel's got a board out that's about forty bucks, well forty mm-hmm. Canadian dollars. So I don't know what that translates to in U.S. dollars. A, they're all not far from parity, so yeah. it's it'd be similar price. Excuse me. Can't can't be too much more. But um, and there's the Pi Zero as well, which is I think five dollars or something, fifteen dollars. <laughs> it's it's ridiculously cheap, and it's it's a very stripped down, I mean, this is a stripped down version of a computer, that is a stripped down version of a stripped down computer, but it's definitely useful for certain use cases, and that's where, uh, you know, uh, people are using them a lot for, I guess, quasi-SCADA, which I guess would mean 
devices that do physical things is kind of a, a definition of that. So, you know, power plants have pumps that are run by computers, etc. People use things like this to actually measure things like the water in their soil, in their lawn, to see if it needs water, you know, and things like that. And that's where a pi zero would be fine. It only has to say, you know, it has to process one sensor. One, one sensor. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine. dry, wet variations of it. Super easy, right? Not a lot. Mm -hmm. And then send, and then send that back, right? To uh, and then it goes back to a to central, central right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Pretty cool. Well, that's the good. way it's going. I think everything's going to be servers. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, it's a good it's a good reminder that we've got some really interesting tech still ahead of us. I think mm -hmm. the, I think uh, the wearables and some of the things that's coming on in the in the home and home automation, especially outside the home, mm -hmm. and that I think you're actually controlling temperature and leakage and some of those kinds of things in a home, being able to detect where am I losing energy, mm -hmm. how am I how am I staying most efficient at that are still yet to come. So pretty cool. Last time you were with us, you talked about your pineapple, your Wi-Fi yes. pineapple, and have there been upgrades to that? I mean, it's been a year. What's yeah. what, what has gone on in the world of Wi-Fi pineapples when we think well, about uh, you know, First of all, for the average guy, what the heck is a Wi-Fi? Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's a little, it's a small Linux computer. Uh, it's actually, this one is actually sitting on top of a battery right now. This is the latest version of it. I'll hold it up so you guys can see just how tiny this thing is. So you can easily make it inconspicuous, uh, except it's got two giant antennas coming off it, right? That always makes it look suspicious. I love carrying this thing through TSA. I always, like, I strap a bag, two antennas sticking out. TSA loves it. They always ask, you know, what's that? What are those for? <laughs> but anyhow, it's, it's a tool designed to help uh, pen testers assess wireless security uh, in many forms. I mean, you can put a Bluetooth sensor on here, but generally Wi-Fi uh, has two Wi-Fi antennas that allow it to uh, really mess with the airwaves is essentially what it comes down to. <laughs> we can go into depth on it if you'd like, but I'll show you that the device here is, oh, my phone came off. Uh, the device here is actually a small Linux computer. It's running, um, oh, I just blanked on the name because I want to say it, so I'll just move on. It'll come back in just a yeah. second. It'll yeah. come back, exactly. Uh, but anyways, it comes with two antennas, uh, Atheros and ArrayLink, which are brands, certain types of uh, adapters or uh, radios. And the two kind of, the ArrayLink specializes in, in uh, promiscuous mode, which is, I always laugh, I have to giggle. It's like when Homer Simpson hears Titmouse. But <laughs> this, <laughs> this can run in promiscuous mode, which means it can capture everything that's going on and it can mess with, packets and inject things, whereas the other one can run as almost an access point. So like an actual regular access point like you'd have at home. Right. Uh, so one's looking for networks that are open, the other is looking for equipment that is looking for networks that are open. Exactly. Is that that's right? exactly okay. right. Yep, that's perfect. That's a very good way to describe it. Now there's literally dozens of tools uh, that you can download, which I guess literally dozens is probably not that big a deal considering app stores these days, right? Yeah. But for what it is, I mean, it's, it's you know, unfortunately, it's probably not something a regular person's going to have a ton of fun with, but if you're into security, if you want to keep, you know, your Wi-Fi at home secure, or if you just want to have fun with people, it's great to play pranks on people with because uh, <laughs> you, can, you can force them to connect to it and redirect them to a fake web page which also means it can be used maliciously. 
Right. Uh, and that's that's where it comes in. Uh, often we will put these in at a client site. We will drop them somewhere outside in like a uh, what do you call those waterproof boxes, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll let it sit there for a day or two, capturing all the probes that the phones are sending out and computers and. And it will have a fake AP set up that's a similar name or the same name as one that's nearby. So people will connect. You can start capturing that data and, and really get passwords, usernames, <laughs> traffic. You can get so much stuff. Uh, I had this on a plane a few weeks ago and turned it on. was easily able to intercept all the Wi-Fi that was going through the plane. And when you yeah. say, wow, intercept the Wi-Fi, you're talking about coming off of people's equipment going to... Just their internet traffic, right? Exactly. They were doing. So one thing I was, when people ask why, you know, is wireless really less or more secure? It's hard to say, but one thing to consider is a wired network is generally targeting the packets. So they only travel one path, whereas a wireless signal is always broadcasting. It just sends that signal out in all the directions the antenna points. So in these cases, it's like a donut, you know, and they go out. So anybody could actually capture those packets. If they're encrypted, then they're not readable until they get the encryption key. But they can be retroactively decrypted. So if they just capture a bunch of encrypted traffic because they know you're doing something like logging into your bank account, and then go home and spend the time trying to decrypt it. Trying to to crack it. So to go all the way back to the VPN discussion, if I'm connected some way, if I've either, you know, pro XPN or I'm connecting through my Anana box, mm-hmm. which is connected to VPN, or I'm coming maybe back to my own home, you know, my home-based VPN solution, can, what do you see? I mean, is that, am I protected? Definitely? Yes, you're much, much safer. Uh, I mean, before the VPN kicks in, you know, you've got a small time window, but just don't do anything, don't check your bank account when you first log in, connect your VPN, but absolutely, your VPN is going to stop those man-in-the-middle attacks. Somebody cannot sit in between you and your where your data is going or stored and capture it because it would be all encrypted to them. That is not easily decrypted. So that that is absolutely the safest thing you can do. Any sort of VPN solution, even the shifty solution from... Uh, um, What's the Opera browser where oh, they're right, doing the right, proxy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything is better than nothing, is essentially what it comes to. But on the other hand, be, be paranoid, but it doesn't mean you have to like live your life worrying about a bus falling on your head or whatever <laughs> it is. You know, sure. sure. Uh, you will be concerned. Use it, especially if you're checking your bank account in an airport. In an airport, in general, use what VPN, you know, uh, or a big public spaces. Just think about it. It's simple, and it can save you a lot of pain. If your identity gets stolen, it's expensive. Yeah. So from a, from your standpoint, so you've got this device, and we have to ask the question. So, like, you know, what keeps you? I know, you know, what keeps you from? You know, what keeps the bad guys using that for harm, or are they? At this point? <laughs> yeah. It's, There's nothing that keeps them from using it for harm. The only thing that keeps me from using it to steal credit card numbers and all that is because of my, I want to keep my job. I right. like my job. <laughs> and uh, and as soon as I have a criminal record, I can't do it. It's, right. it's uh, it, you have to have one. So that would absolutely, so that's, that's what keeps me from doing it. But there's nothing keeping the bad guys from doing this or even just guys who are bored who like hacking things from doing this. Maybe they don't do anything drastic, but it's still not good. So, Absolutely. All of that's the thing that's frustrating about pen testing is that you 
are literally doing exactly what the bad guys are doing. You're supposed to be, at least. Right, right. The good ones are. From from that standpoint, what about my phone? So you know, we talked PCs, my laptop, those kinds of things. So iPhone, Android, just as vulnerable from that standpoint. Do I need to? And what do I do? I mean, I'm running apps. It's not like I run a VPN client like yeah. I would off my laptop. What what what's the mobile infrastructure? So look you like can, you are welcome to do that. But really, unless you have a unbelievably bad connection, I just wouldn't use Wi-Fi unless you trust it. Uh, I mean, you have an LTE connection with your phone, and is that secure? Yeah, uh, eh, yes, it's secure. There's probably ways around it, and I'm sure that nation state level attacks. Yeah, you're not. Right. You're but not I mean, safe, from your does your Wi-Fi pineapple pick up if no. I'm LTE? So no, no, none of none of that. I'm for the most part I'm not. But I go to an airport. I first thing I do, my phone tries to connect to the Wi-Fi because mm-hmm. I've probably been there before, and most mm-hmm. phones now, for convenience, are leaving those things on. They're storing the passwords. They're connecting mm-hmm. immediately when you get there, right? Yep. Is that just? I mean, because we hear the reports, man. Like, like cell phones are just—it's basically you're just putting your information out in the clear. I mean, is kind of what I hear. Is that true? The, uh, the LTE. No, the, on Wi-Fi. Oh, on Wi-Fi, yeah, absolutely. Wi-Fi. If you're not, if you're on Wi-Fi and you're just, and it's not HTTPS, you know, SSL, which is uh, when you see the little lock in the upper left-hand corner of your screen. Which, if you're watching this, you should see a uh, little green lock. Mm-hmm. You know, that that means it's it's safe in that sense. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like, if I'm an app, if I'm on a banking app, oh. mm-hmm. and I'm on Wi-Fi. Is that is that is, does the app have encryption in it? I mean, if it's Bank of America or Chase or mm-hmm. Bank of the West, right? Some some banks that are some pretty big banks have they built encryption into those apps so that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it would be ludicrous of them not to. So yeah, no, you absolutely and and so they build into that. You know, when you're connected to a site that's safe, but you can run VPN from your phone, and if you think you're going to do things that are sensitive, you know, think about it. Yeah. The thing about security that you always have to keep in mind is that you have to choose between convenience and security. So you you make that choice. If you want a three-letter password, it's super easy to log into your computer for you and your four-year-old, but it's not safe. You know, so that's that's your choice. It's convenient though. It's very convenient. It's the same thing with a VPN. If you get a VPN app, uh, if you get ProXPN, there's an app, and it will it, or a whole setup. You set it up to your Phone and your phone is now on VPN all the time. If you want, you can do that. So. All right. Well, I don't. I. I. You know, it's weird because I hear, I see these uh, all the time. Like, I can show you how I can crack your phone in thirty seconds. Or, <laughs> yes. you know, we we went to. Uh, I was at a, a career fair at a high school, and the local police department was was running this device. I assume it's a it's a pineapple like, and they're like, hey, we will show you. as you walk by the table. We'll show you everything we pulled off your phone as you're walking mm-hmm. by the table, type deal. Yes. So if that's the case, like, what do I, John? What do I do? Like, <laughs> if it's just that easy? Yeah, it's scary. I mean, it just really is. There's there's devices that major or even police stations have called. Uh, um, I just had the name in my head. You guys are like making me forget words <laughs> left and right tonight. I don't know what's so going we, on. That's what but, we do, John. That's what yeah. we do. Exactly. But anyhow, yeah, they're a Stingray device, and we've all heard about them in the news, the Stingrays. 
uh, they're and those they can use to intercept your your phone calls. Your phone can be going through a fake, and yes, a bad guy could make one. They're not cheap. Probably cost them a grand to put together, but a thousand dollars isn't that much money considering. Just think for a minute. Everyone watching, think for one minute about what you have on your phone, and now you might be a little more worried, or at least want to be more worried. Right. Do something, any little thing you can think of. Make your password six characters instead of four. It's huge. That makes it that makes it take weeks or months to crack it, rather than days or hours. Uh, to crack that co that code. So. And that's what I like about how easy those apps are becoming. So all the VPN apps, you know, PIA has one, and it's mm -hmm. super simple. You just log in, turn it on, and you could leave it on. And on something like my phone, I think I'm far more likely to leave that on all the time because mm -hmm. I'm not needing gobs of data. I don't, you know, I'm not worried about bandwidth. I just, it's, I don't do that sort of stuff on my phone. It's to check Facebook and email, and, and that's about it. So mm -hmm. on those, those apps are super simple. And there's a lot, like you said, with ProXPN or TunnelBear, they're all starting to have extremely competitive prices mm -hmm. and sometimes even if you don't use that much like two gigs free a month on some plans and stuff mm -hmm. like that so yeah, it's becoming super simple it's just actually doing it like making that effort making the decision mm -hmm. to say yep I'm going to turn it on but you're right it's the convenience versus safety mm -hmm. hard to make that Absolutely. and I use a I use an alphanumeric password on my my Android phone but I also have the Moto 360 paired with it, so once I log in once that day, I'm logged in for the rest of the day, unless they unpair or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that's that's a long password. It's kind of a pain at you know, when I first open my eyes in the morning and type that in. <laughs> you know, I don't want to, but it keeps my phone safe. I can't crack it. You know, and there's a lot of data on there. Plus, there's pictures. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. All the accounts it links to. That's the scary thing. Think about that. My last. I have LastPass on there. Yeah. All my accounts. <laughs> yeah. right. right, literally. They're, they're all uh -huh. that and all stored, and if that master password gets out, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, a, it's a vulnerability. Well, interesting. It always makes me think when we have you on. I'm always, I always like, I'm just shutting my phone off. Yeah. Well, don't <laughs> panic. Shut it off. Don't panic. Yeah, don't panic. No, but it, sometimes I'm just like, I'm shutting it off. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, that will definitely secure it. In fact, <laughs> if you actually want your, your computer to be 100% secure, you know, Turn it off and close it and unplug it and put it in a Faraday bag, which is like a you know RFID blocking. It'll block any signals and then bury it you know a few hundred <laughs> feet underground. <laughs> cover that burial with cement. Yes. And ba basically, turn yes. your your best. Then you could go on Twitter and say hello, everyone. You can't hack my computer. <laughs> Literally. Don't say that. I'm not saying that. I'm sure somebody could hack one of these computers. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, too many of them. Uh, so it's it's something to think about. Well, uh, very interesting. Uh, we don't often talk about book uh, recommendations, but I <laughs> got one, John. Uh, we we don't do that. You want to talk a little bit about it? Sure. I actually don't read a lot of books, as except for books about hacking generally. You know, nonfiction research type things. I listen to books on Audible all the time. But generally, those are fiction. But for some reason, I just got a bug to check this book out on my Kindle, which I have, so I might as well use it. It's called Dark Territory, uh, The Secret History of Cyber War, which is, of course, a very uh, you know, grandiose uh, explanation. But it is, it's a very interesting book. It's written by um, Fred Kaplan, uh, and he's written a, a lot of books. He's a really famous journalist. 
Uh, it's just an amazing book. It's only $10 to get it for uh, Kindle, $13.99, I suppose. Uh, it was a really quick read, but it starts all the way back even in the early 50s uh, with microwave radios and things along those lines and kind of goes through the entire history of cyber war, cyber defense, it, what the governments had to deal with, what the government can't still deal with, uh, uh, you know, all the issues they had over the years. It's pretty cool. It's a lot of uh, unclassified things that he's come across, and it's a highly recommended quick read, really entertaining. Does he um, does he go into? Have you gone all the way through? Oh yeah, I finished it. Oh. Yes. Does he go into the the Steve Wozniak uh, era of hacking the hacking the uh, the PBX Absolutely. boxes with the Captain Crunch whistle and, mm -hmm. and some of those kinds of things? We talked yeah. about all of that, and I mean Mudge. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but Mudge is he was a well-known hacker from Boston uh, in the early 90s, and he actually was consulting with the FBI and what have you. And he, uh, he talks about that in detail, all the different things he did, which were really cool, you know, helping the government get, government get more secure, all the policies. I mean, it's, it almost reads like a thriller, but it's, it's fact, you know. So yeah. that's, that's what's cool about it. Real life so stuff. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see where we are now, where we were 10 years ago. And getting better or getting, getting better or getting worse? Well, we're definitely better than we were, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, initially, when the when the internet was first started, there was not security at all, and they loved it because they literally just captured all the data and looked at it, you know. Yeah. But there wasn't much of interest. There wasn't on, there wasn't a lot online, right? I mean, no. so those those early days was just a bunch of junk. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the NSA almost missed the boat too, which is that's one of the most interesting parts about it. So for like 25 years. Various NSA directors were very, very adamant about us needing to defend and be offensive in the cyber arena, and they fought it and they fought it, and no, it never happened until you know mid 20, 2007 or so around there, so early 2010s. Uh, you know that's that's kind of crazy that we can go that long with such terrible security, and the NSA wasn't even watching it. Now they are. And now we don't know if we want them to. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Yeah. You know, you're like, are they? What are they? Wa what are they watching exactly? Yes. You know, but the book so. does go uh, very in depth uh, about specifically that and the laws that have recently been passed. Mm. Uh, so it that, covers Snowden. I, I, yes. I assume it's co it covers Snowden and all the it things. Does. That... Absolutely. Okay. And and he does go into exactly what the NSA does as far as uh, protective measures for these big metadata gathering things you hear out right on the news, they, they actually have checks and balances in place, or they've forced them to put them in place in the last uh, few years. So there is at least that, because I doubt you're going to personally stop them, any of them. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's a tough deal. You, you've got another book recommendation to Hump from a Humble Book Bundle. Oh, yes. Talk a little so, bit about that one. I'll put the, yeah, I'll so, put the link in the chat, and it'll yeah, be absolutely. show notes, too. So Humble Bundle, I'm sure people have heard of that. They do sort of a charity sale on something, and it's usually digital goods. It's games, uh, books, things along those lines, maybe even cartoons, movies, whatever. Uh, and they're doing one right now that is a hacker Humble Bundle that comes with 15 books for 15 bucks. Uh, he's putting the link. It's in the show notes, and he's putting it into, uh, into here as well. It's very... Uh, 
it's it's a good deal, 15 bucks. Just one of those books that is malware analysis book, which is incredibly technical, and even I'm not great at it, but it's something I want to learn. It is like a $45 book, so just one book in there is worth more than the $15 for the whole bundle. So if you're interested in learning about some, you know, some of the basics of hacking or some of the intricacies, or have at it. It's right there, 15 bucks. I like the uh, the maker's guide to the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Defend your base with simple circuits, Arduino, and Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a fun that's a, one. That's a great title. That is a great uh, black black hat Python. Mm-hmm. So that and that one is kind of how what, what how you can utilize Python scripting language or programming language uh, to perform different tasks for pen, penetration testing. Or hacking, sure. whether you're nefarious or good. It's up yeah, to you. well, it's the same. It's the same <laughs> techniques, right? Exactly. You know, uh, you got to mimic the guys that are doing mm-hmm. it, so you almost need to kind of learn those techniques to get it done. Yeah, and John, I don't know if you listen to Night Attack, the podcast, but they had the authors from some of these books uh, over there. So I heard about this Humble Bumble over there, and then oh, you brought it up, and I think that's fate that I got to check it out. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get twice, Mike. Yeah, but if you get it twice in the podcast, you get a month to, yeah. to basically while you're studying. And it's for the cool. Bar. You pay what you want. And so you give yeah. them what you think, and then yeah. and you can choose who you want to give the money to. I recommend EFF, but that's that's who I give. You know, Electronic Frontier yeah. Foundation. Yeah. yeah, they can use our money. So I always I always pick them. That's great, John. What do you think? Uh, this is just a random uh, lightning round question. What do you think of Bitcoin? <laughs> Bitcoin is something I've not messed with much. I yeah. think the but I have researched the concept of the blockchain, which is the way that they have secured and and ensure that transactions are accurate and and secure uh, is fascinating and will that if nothing else comes from Bitcoin the concept of the blockchain which is incredibly technical is is a great thing to come out of it if that if everything else fails that can come into security and networking and in so many ways it can protect our ourselves our data our companies so I think we're moving that way even yeah, for credit card transactions, things like that. The blockchain's pretty incredible. It's a it's a pretty incredible whether you agree with the way Bitcoin the way it works or mm-hmm. whatever. The 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 concept of the Bitcoin is incredible. You know, yes. the, the blockchain is incredible, and I think we'll we'll be around for hundreds if we survive that mm-hmm. long. We'll be around for hundreds of years. Absolutely built into technology. So it, as we get faster, it'll get even more appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, in being able to 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 keep track of, from a transactional standpoint of keeping track and securing those transactions, mm-hmm. which which is which which what we need to do. And yeah. that's the hardest thing, you know. Everyone struggles with it, and even no. uh, you know something that a lot of people got to remember: there's regulations in place that are moving us to chip and pin cards, as I'm sure you've all heard. Uh, as we move over, you know, there's phases, but eventually the liability is going to be on us. Mm-hmm. It's on the consumer. It is not on the banks anymore. You know, I've had my credit card compromised how many times from different, you know, target breach, etc. I didn't lose a penny any one of those times. But as we move over to chip and pin, that liability shifts, and I would have been out that money. Yeah, that's going to be a rude awakening for Americans. It's, mm-hmm. it's when that when that does happen. I I don't know. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be ugly. And I've, you know, I'm, I just burned through my second chip card from Chase. I got it. Uh, I, they were an early, they sent those out pretty early. It was in my wallet for six or seven or eight months. Quit working. And, of course, you get in there, and, I, I you know, there's no other option. Like, they, mm-hmm. they can't do it any in some of these places. 
Yeah, inside. they're taking shift. They can't do it any other way. Yeah, and you're like, uh, you know, one of the one of the gals took it and was able to kind of do this workaround to get it mm-hmm. to work, but it's kind of messy. Order a new card, boom, up and running yeah. and, and just fine. But it, it's yeah, be- you carry it in your wallet. They're, I mean, they're semi-fragile. We had they're it's the same kind of chip that was on the common access cards or the CAC cards that we used in the military uh, and would store encryption keys on there. Equally as fragile. I mean, they they do tend to break, um, and that fact that they break is why they still have a stripe on the back. So you can still scan them. So you go to a place that doesn't accept it, you can still scan that card and use yeah. it. It doesn't use the chip. They're not good at that, it. Though. No, no. They're not good at that. They freak out. They're like, I've been I've been taught how to do chip, and that's all I know now. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, can I just swipe it? Oh, no, 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 don't swipe it. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I can just swipe it. Yeah. And they're just freaking out. It's, yeah. <laughs> Time to get Apple Pay set up, Jim. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Works pretty and well. Those, that's, and that's those fine. great Apple Pay, Google Pay, all those, they have gone completely away from using a static number. It's all yeah. tokens and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's secure. They're not, they're not all there there. They're not all there yet. Right. No. Thing. They're not all there yet. And I, I for me I'll need to kind of have it in where it's in most places. Mm-hmm. For me to, you know. See, and for me it is. I'd say ninety percent of places I go to, I can use my Apple Pay. I say there's yeah. only a few places where I have to actually get out the card, but it's in instances like a drive-through where I'm not going to hand my phone over. I'm sorry, like I'm not, mm. and it needs to be on my thumbprint anyway. Like I still don't get how McDonald's does that, but um, <laughs> it's fake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like their food. Well, it's I want to ask him one time. Like I just want to be like, I'm paying with Apple Pay, and just see like, uh, yeah, I don't think we can do that. I'm like, well, it says yeah. it. Big sign right as I go through the drive-through, pay with Apple Pay. So that's funny. Yeah. Well, some good stuff, John. Uh, we're we're gonna thanks for coming in and bringing the book uh, the book recommendations from that standpoint. Hang, hang tight. We're gonna do a little Echo update. I've uh, I've told the folks as we um, now that we have the Echo Dot sitting on my desk uh, each week, we would bring kind of a favorite or or one of my favorites or some stuff that I'm doing. Just if you don't have you haven't bought the Amazon Echo yet, there's all kinds of things going on with them and they are pretty cool. Mike, you've got the Echo, is that what you have? Yeah, just a standard Echo, which is still working great for standard us. Standard Echo. John, have you jumped into the the Echo space? Nope. I've got my phone, which I say okay, Google to yeah. all the time. No, that works that works out pretty well. <laughs> but my my wife and kids just use the heck out of this thing. Yeah. And uh, and so we picked up the dot. That's what's down here in the studio. Named it Echo instead of Instead of it's a good thing she's a little hard of hearing because I say echo a lot <laughs> and she doesn't respond to it uh, as much. But we have Alexa upstairs, so Alexa does the upstairs. So one of the things uh, I do all the time is my morning flash briefing. So I can say echo, echo, play my fra- play my fra- frash. She won't be able to play my frash briefing. <laughs> Let's see what she says. Here's Jim's flash briefing. Wow. In NPR, even news though I said team. frash twice. So live from NPR News I in have Washington. Set. I'm Jack Spear. The Pentagon's two top off. officials. So I have it set to for NPR News. So when I come in in the mornings, I just say, right. I say, I say, uh, Alexa, play my flash briefing, and boom, goes to that. You can also set it up or to play ESPN Radio right after that. So I get a flash briefing from NPR, and then I get the latest. And I think Mike ESPN does an update like every ten minutes. I'm pretty oh, sure. Not. There's <laughs> always a new one whenever I do it. I'm yeah. pretty sure uh, from ESPN Radio. And if it's in the morning, I'll get Mike and Mike and some of those. You know, they'll do some updates mm-hmm. on some of those. So that's pretty cool. Earth Day was April. 20th. Oh, dude, they're, they're they're very very cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
They do more than that. Uh, Earth Day was April 22nd, and so you can say, Echo, Echo, what can I do for Earth Day? Your trash is someone's treasure. Donate used items instead of throwing them away. So, little tips, uh, little tips and tricks. Echo, Echo, what can I do for Earth Day? Ride your bike to school or to work. Good for you and good for the environment. There you go. So again, another uh, during one of the nice things that they do is they are constantly setting up during the holidays. You get special little things um, that that you know you can always have it tell you a joke. We've we've done that uh, one before. The the last one we want to talk about. Mike and I did this a little bit in pre-show. Was fairly interesting, and uh, and so listen to this one. Echo. Ask Kid MSD about a fever. Sorry. I can't find no. the answer to the Let question. Let me try that again. I didn't say it very clearly. Echo. Ask Kid MD about a fever. Mm. Well, you know, when you try to do these things <laughs> live, you know, every time I say about a fever, I think of that. You know, I got a fever, and the only, yeah, the only kid. more cowbell, more cowbell. Echo. Ask Kid MD about fever. Welcome to Kids MD, powered by Boston Children's. Please tell me your child's age. You can say things like five years or ten months. Seven years old. Seven years. Is that correct? Yes. Does your child have any underlying chronic conditions? No. Please tell me your child's temperature, including the decimal, in degrees Fahrenheit. 101 degrees. 101 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that correct? Yes. Your child's temperature indicates a mild to moderate fever. Will you like to check on dosing instructions for acetaminophen, known as Tylenol, or ibuprofen, known as Motrin, or Advil? Ibuprofen. I am sorry. I did not understand what you said. Well, that's weird. 101 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that correct? Yes. Please tell me your child's weight. 70 pounds. 7 years and 70 pounds. Is that correct? Yes. These doses have been calculated based on your child's weight. This is the crazy part. 70 pounds. The following dosing recommendations, guidelines used by Boston Children's Hospital, may be of interest and helpful to you while you are waiting to speak to your doctor. Please use only one of these medications at a time unless recommended by your doctor. First medication, ibuprofen also known as Advil or Motrin. Take 300 milligrams every six to eight hours as needed. Echo off. Second. So she goes through Thanks and Thanks for using this skill from Boston Children's Hospital. <laughs> so when you think about, a little clunky in some ways, but actually, I mean, when you're thinking about you're a mom or a dad, you got a sick child with a fever. We used, you know, some of these places, right, you know, we've, we've been on this health, you know, this anti-ER room kind of thing here in the United States because it's so expensive. And you don't know what to do. Like as a dad, I wouldn't know what kind of dosages to give, right? Mike, I think, would would you be comfortable off the, well, John, you've got kids. You don't yet, Mike. So <laughs> let me ask this to John. John, would you take the dosages off something like this, knowing they're yeah. from Boston Medical? And yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And we've, we've done just that, you know, WebMD. I mean, I, you know, when we had our first one, it was more particular, but and now I've got three kids, so you know, whatever. <laughs> kind of wears you out. Yeah. You want to eat some dirt? Sure. All right. You know, <laughs> can eat some dirt. 
Well, smart. I think as like a first-time parent, that's even more powerful. Because I can imagine, I, I just picture me with my first kid, like holding him, like he's puking and I can't like Google anything and I just need to like ask her. Now, that took a little bit longer. Maybe they could work on me programming in all the weight and age and stuff like that. So it could be a little bit faster. But hands-free, being able to find out the dosage and stuff like that for a first-time parent or even a parent who's had five kids. You know, it doesn't matter. But especially for that first-time one, that's... That's big. I think if it gets you close enough, like, you know, hey, it's it's right. you know, seven years old, 70 pounds, and I got a fever of 101 you know, degrees, and it gets you those dosages, it's going to get you pretty close, and that's yeah. going to be enough. Well, and, and that's what we've been wanting from this whole voice listening devices. We wanted them to kind of take the next step, and we kind of waited to see, was the Echo going to do that? You know, where are we going to be able to do things like this uh, Kids MD, and, and they are with this, what do you call it, skills yeah, it's a skill. Yeah, skill. So you enable it, yeah. which is good. You know, it's not too hard. You go. I know you did the Husker one last week, mm-hmm. and I went and turned that on. And there are certain yeah. skills, but that's exactly what we want from these devices. Mm-hmm. And completely customizable. Whereas Siri, I can't just go plug different apps into Siri and have her gain functionality. Where I totally can with the Echo with a skill, which is kind of cool. Yep. And for a mother or anyone who stays home with children, they could absolutely. I've, going to have to get them for my wife now. <laughs> I can't go. count how many times I've gone down there to grab a cup of coffee and she's carrying two kids and a <laughs> dog away. So oh, yeah, It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the use, we've said this before, the use that uh, we get from these is the timer, right? Mm-hmm. So you just say, you know, hey, Echo, Echo, set a timer for 10 minutes. 10 minutes, starting now. That is super convenient. When you're in the yeah. kitchen and your hands are full and you're setting a timer, or Super putting a kid in timeout and said, you can get out when Alexa says so. Like, All right, Dad. <laughs> that won't work. Totally true. Yeah, yeah, totally I've true. got that, you know, so I use that to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Cortana, we were we were messing with, uh, I was messing with Cortana the yesterday. Hey, Cortana. Let's see if she's turned on. There she is. Um, you could, let's see, I don't have her plugged in, though, so you can't really see. But Cortana is getting a lot of the same functionality, too. Where I, oh, actually, Cortana came in and is now listening to me on this PC. Hold on. We'll, we'll turn Cortana on. Cortana, stop. Something went wrong. Yeah. Try <laughs> again in a little bit. Hey, Cortana. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Sorry. I can't help with timers. No, you can. Oh, oh, you know what it is, actually. So, so the that's enabled in the new Windows 10 update. So the update that's coming this summer, they're calling it the anniversary update. Mm-hmm. A lot of that new functionality that's coming in Cortana, because I was messing around. I, the, I keep the Surface up to date with uh, kind of the the fast ring stuff that is going on, and they have some tests you can go through, some things you can try to see if it's working. So I was messing around with timers yesterday on Cortana, and you can do that. It, they're enabling similar functionality in Windows 10, as you would see in the Echo. So what's cool is they're now, it's not just Siri, right? We have Siri, and we've got the Echo, and we've got Cortana, all in whatever Google does, Google Now. Whatever they're yeah. doing now, we've got some legitimate players, and they're pushing each other for some mm-hmm. for some really good stuff. So, um, I think you know, uh, you know, beyond the weather and cooking conversions, I think there's some really good things coming when we think about you know, it'll launch apps for you. It'll it's still not. I mean, we still got a long ways to go when it comes to voice, but 
each week we'll be doing an update with the Echo. I get an email and they, and they enable new features. And so each week here on Home Gadget Geeks we'll be going through and just kind of messing around with what's going on in the Echo and uh, those kind of functionality. We'll probably plug in and do some more Cortana uh, too from that standpoint and, and uh, see what she can what she can do. She gets a lot better in the newer versions of Windows 10. So some cool stuff coming up. Mike, anything else uh, before we kind of wrap it? Well, I was going to mention the latest build of the Windows 10. I mean, they, a what? lot of stuff. Hold, on. hold, hold, wait, wait. <laughs> no Apple news, but I will talk about this new Windows build. Unbelievable. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, like, the looks and change of even buttons and the functionality. I noticed the notification pane on the far right side, yeah. which is a great addition. I love the fastering. Yeah, the fastering. Okay, yep. good. And is and, uh, still running pretty well? Yeah. Oh, it runs like a dream. It run, It's get, It gets better and better with every build, and it, which is nice. I was. I tweeted this out so people who follow me on Twitter heard. But I was so glad I had the kangaroo because my Xbox completely bricked. I mean, I got the black desk screen that says you need to contact support uh, and stuff like that. And so when I contacted them, you need a Windows PC to download a certain file to a USB drive, and I would have been. I would have been out of luck if I didn't have the kangaroo. But it all worked. Nice. Got the Xbox reformatted and back up and running. But that that kangaroo has been fantastic. I still just can't talk highly enough about it. And I can't wait yeah. to look at the Pro and try out the new dock with the last-gen version because I think they should be interchangeable. Yeah, that'll be good. We are. I'm hoping to get a Pro here. They've reached out to us, and yep. we'll get a Pro. We'll have them back on and, and talk a little bit about what they're doing. That's kind of a very interesting form factor. Yes. Well, uh, I love the idea of the new docs. That's what we were waiting to see. Last time we talked to them, right. they were talking about this new dock, what they wanted to see. At that point, they had issued the survey saying, okay, what kind of ports do you guys want? What do you want from this dock? And I think they really listened because it looks like it's going to be killer. Yeah, they've gotten pretty close. John, have you looked at the Kangaroo uh, PCs at all? You're, you muted yourself, just so you know. Yeah. I'm really good at that. Anyways, I'm Googling <laughs> it right now. No, I had not. Yeah, take a look at Kangaroo PCs. Very, very interesting form factors. Uh, you can, if you want to watch the podcast, we've done a, we, we interviewed their, one of their engineers. Just put in kangaroo at theaverageguy.tv and it'll, it'll pop up. Uh, very interesting form factors. They came out with a pro mic, I want to say, 199? Right yeah, yes, pro. without the operating system. Because they cannot include the operating system at that price. The new pro, though, I think has Windows 10 in it. Does it? I think okay. It does. Then I, I think need to it check does. into it. I haven't checked yeah, into it since they first launched. Let's just do a quick. I'm looking right now. I'm I'm looking at it at the moment. The Kangaroo Mobile Desktop Pro. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Oh man, that thing does look pretty awesome. Yeah, it's got a battery in it. Sweet. So yeah, you can it's like a little portable computer. Yeah. It's uh pretty. So pretty Kangaroo Plus for 169. Yeah, the new Pro though is 199. Mobile it comes with Desktop 10. Pro. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's still an Atom yep, processor. You're right. Windows 10. Crazy. So they've got they're using, but it's like an Atom version oh, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very mobile. But are you are you seeing the Pro version for 199 that has Windows 10, Mike? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No, I am. Good. Yeah, that's the one we're gonna. That's the one they're sending. So okay, I'm hoping. We're we're in the uh, you know we're in the running with a bunch of other folks and and it's been a pretty popular. Um, it's been pretty popular. You know, they get away with it, right? Because it's got, still only got 2 gig of RAM. So, you know, you're doing this uh, 2 gig of RAM, 32 gig uh, MMC hard drive, you know, Windows 10 64-bit edition. So a little thicker, though. You know, we go from the real thin kind of phone size to a little thicker when they when we get into the Pro. But um, right. it's got more ports. 
that are available. Yeah, you got finally you got Ethernet, and uh, mm-hmm. looks like they just mm-hmm. added Ethernet and VGA. Those are the two big main additions. Two but, USBs, headphone yep. out. Yeah. Oh, headphone out too. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. Mark brings up a good point. So you can go with the larger Pro that's four gigs of RAM, sixty-four gigs of storage, with no operating system. Yeah, and if like me, I could put Windows on it if I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, you have a key, I'm sure that you Probably. could. Well, I mean, I have an MSDN/DN subscription. I could put it in a test and you know, in a okay. testing and right type deal if I wanted to do it uh, that way. But um, yeah, so you can go with Kangaroo Plus 169, Kangaroo Pro 199. Right. Well, and last time we talked, my iPad was not working as a monitor, and I believe that was because I was using an iPad that used the 30-pin connector. I ended up swapping iPads with my dad because he didn't need the functionality, so I grabbed one of his with the Lightning. It is phenomenal. You just grab that iPad, and you can use the iPad keyboard even, like on the screen, or you could bring it with you, a Bluetooth keyboard, just pop up the iPad. You got a Windows machine, full Windows machine, with your iPad as the monitor. And so if you needed to have that full desktop experience, because Apple hasn't given us that yet on the iPad, you could. How unreal is that? That you're mixing those two together. You're running Windows off and (laughs) Yeah. Unreal. Dogs and cats living together. So Anna the other week was doing a project for uh, the Occupational Therapy Association and she wanted publisher, but there's no really there's no publisher for the Mac on the uh, the office suite. And I totally forgot I had the kangaroo. All of a sudden a week later I'm like, why didn't I have used the kangaroo? It's got Mm -hmm. I got publisher right here. Mm -hmm. Built right in. So Mm -hmm. now she knows that's there and she's extremely happy. Yeah, that's cool. We love Form Factor. We're going to try and get them back on, and uh, some exciting things coming up here, uh, as, especially as we think in a couple weeks here. Just uh, looking ahead on the schedule, um, as we think about what is coming up. Man, I got to I got to shorten up my list. It takes me a while to scroll down. Paul Brarin is back next week, so well, I'm sure we'll be talking some VMware and uh, and all kinds of things geeky with Paul. Of course, he's out at TinkerTry.com. And and his blog has stepped it up. So if you're in, if you're if you haven't looked at Paul's site in a while, you might want to head out before the show, get it done. Uh, two weeks. Uh, Shauna Dorsey, who is the director of the Interface School, Code Interface School, we're going to talk some code and code education, which would be cool. That's really applicable to me because that's what I do at Gallup. So we're going to talk about teaching high schoolers and college and 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 retooling uh, second career folks to write code. So that'll be kind of fun. And then uh, our friends from Classy Little Podcast. If you haven't checked that out and you're kind of into humor and it's a little not necessarily safe for work, but it's not crude, right? I mean, it's not like no, that bad. Yeah. No, those guys aren't bad. But but Emily, who I think was with us a little bit earlier. She was. I, I listened to that latest podcast. It, it's hysterical. Hannah yeah, and I yeah. listened on the ride down. It's it's like a mix of like educational and funny and I don't, like, you're right, not safe for work, but still fun. And uh, it, it was yeah. great. Yeah, it's super good. And so if you haven't, that's one of those I recommend. It's not tech. They're not interested in doing tech, but they're going to come on. We're going to talk a little podcasting, a little their tech, their gadgets, some of the things they use. And we're going to get kind of dig in a little humor on that. It'll probably be safe for work. We're going to try and keep it that way uh, here for our podcast. Those are the next uh, couple weeks coming up. So if you... uh, if you're uh, just joining us for the first time, we'd love to have you stay around. If you got any questions, you want to contact us, any of those things, or if you got an idea of somebody you want us to interview, you uh, send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Send it over to Twitter, at jcollison. Of course, theaverageguy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners. Christian's kicking it over there. If you're looking for a WordPress site or podcast hosting or just even a, a site, he'll custom build it for you. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting for people you know and you trust. You know Christian's not going to let that stuff get get hacked on. He's always vigilant. Oh, there's my 
there's my uh, there's my alarm. Yeah, <laughs> that, that must have been the ten minutes that uh, went up. So Christian's running that. Visit MapleGrovePartners.com. Of course, we thank Roger over at WLMN Radio. And now that open mic night's not playing there, maybe he'll play me twice. There you go. <laughs> as, we, as we go over there for broadcasting us uh, in Grafton, West Virginia. Don't forget about the apps we have available, HomeGadgetGeeks.com. We want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of those apps and uh, and for taking care of them for us. Don't forget the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund when you're purchasing at Amazon. Just go to theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. Start all your Amazon purchases that way, theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. That will automatically take you there. doesn't cost you any more. Doesn't uh, and we get a little break on that, and then we buy tech things for or or sometimes I do upgrades to the network or stuff that we test right here. We've been I've been testing the OnHub uh, router, wireless router for that. I, John, I should have asked you about that. We'll maybe have to come have you back to yeah. talk about these new new generation of routers. There was a there's another there's another alarm going off somewhere that I don't I don't necessarily we don't know. hear it. Um, it's coming on the. It was coming off the surface. It was the other 10-minute one that I sent with Cortana uh, over there when we were talking. Just just be careful on those. Uh, TheAverageGuy.tv slash Amazon gets you started. And, of course, we turn those into reviews, and we let you keep the products if you review them. So if you're interested in doing that, let me know, and uh, we would love to have you do it. We are live out here every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at TheAverageGuy.tv slash live. John, great to see you. Hang around for some post-show. Sure. Great to see you. Thanks for coming on. And with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.